Let me tell you about this girl. Maybe I should. I met her in Philly, and her name was Brown. See, we be making love constantly. That's why my eyes are a shade. Blood burning. The way that we kiss is unlike any other way that I be kissing. When I'm kissing, what I'm missing, won't you listen? Brown sugar, babe. I guess high off your love. I don't know how to be. Okay, here we are. We're we're talking uh, 
This is the official fourth episode of the Freaky Hour, but the third episode is going to be released next week because I don't have all this straight yet. I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's going to happen. We uh, That was Brown Sugar, D'Angelo. We got Tom Relling in the space. The, the mics are on. Um, now the mics are on. Hello. Okay. Um, yeah, good we're good morning. to go. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Um, we got Tom here. Uh, yeah, we're in. So we're going to... do. You, what, what if we just started out playing... Why don't you just start it out with a Sunday song? Okay, I'll sing a Sunday song. I'll do a song as a blue song. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I wish you could see how I'm set up here. This is a... Yeah, you can you can <laughs> reconfigure for oh, no, more comfort. This yeah, this fine. actually will probably it's need some these pictures theaters, of this. These the- <laughs> this is pretty something. This the, is something. The theater seats and the mics have a tendency to creep. I'll do my best to play it. Let me tune up real quick. All right, this is called Kansas City. Walking down Main Street, going down Beale, looking for a woman named Lucille. Gonna move to Kansas City. Gonna move. Gonna move, baby. Honey, where they don't allow you. Just like my friend said, I don't like you. Said he don't like me. Said I don't like you. Is it gonna move? Move them out. Move them out to Kansas City, honey, where they don't like you. Come out at night, we're gonna move. Go move them out. Move them out to Kansas City, honey, where they don't allow you. One more time, I play. Main Street, they're coming down beers, and I'm looking for a woman, and her name's Lucille. Move them out to Kansas City. Move them out. Move them out to Kansas City. Honey, where they don't lie, you. Okay. Yeah. I wish you could see me in these theater let's, seats uh, trying wait, to play. Stay, stay, uh, <laughs> let's, let's quick, get a quick pick because okay. this, this is pretty prime. This is prime. <laughs> Can you look more like hun- even more hunchback? Yeah, yeah. how's this? <laughs> this is old style. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Okay, now that we got some music, I feel a little more relaxed. Now we can do a proper beginning, a proper intro. So we got yes. Freaky Hour number four, uh, Tom Relling in the Secret Alley studio. Tom is a Pasadena-born, St. Louis-grown, San Francisco-living Yes. Um, I hesitate to <laughs> call people musicians and other things because I don't want to define people mm. by you know their hobbies and their passions. Mm-hmm. So what would you, what would you describe yourself as? Like if I was going to write like in the description of this podcast, Tom Relling is a 
is a what is what is Tom really? Uh, I would as of late, I'm a garage chiller, proud proud garage chiller. <laughs> I spent the better part of yesterday Saturday sweeping out my garage. I'm very lucky. It's actually not my garage. My uh, girlfriend and partner Taylor, it's her garage, but I keep things tidy. So as of late, I've been hanging out in there and just playing guitar. And I think on every block in San Francisco, there's at least one garage chiller. So I am doing that for my block in the inner Richmond. That's what I am now. Okay, so Tom That's really is be. a garage. <laughs> he's a garage. A San Francisco living garage chiller. That's it. Okay. And, yep. Yeah. That's. I'll put that there. You can put that there. Well, what's uh, what's what's uh, what's going on today? What's uh, what's? I've I've nothing on my mind. I've been I've been blank slate today. Oh, I woke okay. up and I didn't really have much going on that's in fine. my mind. I was just kind of flown with it. I saw blue skies and I was like, and mm. nothing felt already written. Yeah, it's a beautiful day today. I have a mind to hit the beach at some point. I like to go to the beach. I like Sundays. I like to cook on Sundays. I like to cook in general. I like to cook vegan food. I don't always eat vegan, but when I cook, I like to eat vegan. I have not been eating meat for a while now, so long that I can't keep track of how long it's been. But I'm not very... You can add this too. I'm a, I'm a... I guess you'd say vegetarian. I don't know. I don't... I'm not going to add that as your descriptor. You don't have to do that. I like Because I, I sometimes eat... I sometimes I'll eat meat, but it depends on the occasion. Like if I'm someone's guest or something. I think it's strange how we do that where it's like, a, like say I'm out eating and I get something that's just... If I get like... Something that doesn't have meat in it, people are like, oh, you're a vegetarian? Like, yeah. I, no, I just like don't... I don't know. I'm just eating what I want, you know? It's weird that that's like a thing. Mm-hmm. I, th- I like to just eat whatever I want. I definitely don't want to eat meat three times a day. That's pretty... I don't think that's... Yeah. I mean, if you want to, that's fine. I don't, I'm not stressing. I think there's something to be said about just being conscious of your diet. You got to listen to your body. And listening to your body. I think because in high school, I grew up not really knowing or thinking too much about food and things food in the midwest is different food in the midwest is different that's for sure well people just have a different relationship to food i guess no matter where you go but it's such an important part of our lives and what you i feel like what you put in your body definitely affects what you think and definitely affects your performance i mean you're just basically fueling up the machine and i think there's something to be said about the ritual of having a like a dinner with people like the communal nature of things is really a is is really a special thing i would there's so many analogies of cooking like for instance making music or making a record it could be like preparing a meal you know and the little details that go into and he's like oh you know he put some little uh, garlic salt in that <laughs> song or something like that um yeah, the, I don't know. The garlic they're, salt they're, lick. The garlic, yeah, that that would be a, a garlic salt lick for All sure. All right, this is making me think of something. So what do you think, okay, <laughs> listening to your body, like being, uh, you know, being like, uh, something that this is making me think of that I've been thinking about is what's the difference between like intuition and superstition? Like intuition, like listening oh, wow. to the world and listening to your body, hmm. you know, like say, you like listening to what feels good and going with that. I've been having trouble figuring out the difference between being superstitious Mm -hmm. and having good intuition. Like what's the difference of like, say something happens in your life and you, 
uh, without thinking of an example, just generally, like something happens mm-hmm. and you get superstitious about it. You're like, whoa, I don't know if this next step is a good idea. Because right. that was like kind of a bad omen. Right. That's different than listening, in a lot of cases, than listening to what feels right or feels wrong. Right. How do you discern that? Is there a difference? Well, or are they all just kind of these this strange uh, figurative mumble jumble that we make up? That's that's certainly a part of it. Uh, but that's a good question. And that's a good thing to think about. I think uh, it comes down to like self-knowledge, you know. And if you can question your habits and what you your knee-jerk reactions to things yeah that i think is more in line of superstition i feel like you're always receiving signals from your body and from your mind and from your being you're always getting stuff that's subliminally guiding you through life yeah but your superstitions i think are when you're 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 your habits and maybe to some extent your mind dictate your uh, decisions predominantly based on fear, right? Yeah, you had like that's a, exactly. So what I, was I think thinking. I think what it comes down to is it's your your intuition is always fighting against you to overcome the fear and 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 well maybe not necessarily because at the same point there's something to, there's something to be said about letting fear be your guide. I mean, yeah. You know, superstitions are kind of funny, but they're definitely something that I think we construct out of fear. Is like I don't do this because of this. For instance, like uh, here's a superstition. Going back to the food thing, I have never been a big cheese. You know this. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I don't really like cheese. And um, all my life, it comes. But it, it came. It came around. Came about from being a kid, and I have a memory of trying a cheese cube at a party, adult party or something, and I just really didn't like the taste and the texture was just bad. And at that moment, I developed the superstition that I was like, I don't like cheese, just immediately. Yeah. And I broke that, broke through my superstition a couple of years ago when I went to France and I was served a cheese platter. Yeah. And I was someone's guest. And I And I was raised to try everything, and I said, this is the time that I break through this. And um, I guess maybe the intuition was doing the right thing. Like, you yeah. need to eat this food and be a respectful guest. And I did. And then I had this realization that not only was like, hey, I actually like this. <laughs> but um, there are so many different kinds of cheeses that for you to just say, I don't like cheese is really kind of a superficial statement. When it's like, you're not totally. taking into the accounts the different subtleties and varieties of it so i guess yeah the superstition is just like we create these things it's a way to kind of protect your ego or something there you go yeah yeah definitely a shell i've been trying to figure that out lately it's like how do i know when i'm being intuitive Mm -hmm. or i'm just writing something off in some weird metaphysical way where i'm like ooh, that seems bad yeah like if for no reason hey let's let's switch you up here oh okay is this better yeah that third mic is better is buzzy is it buzzy how's this so much better is it? Yeah, that's way better. These arms kind of remind me of like a, a old desk lamp. Kind of. Yeah, arms. this is. A, I, every These time I'm cool. on here, I want. I just wish everyone could see what this place is like. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's just that's that just better? something I've been thinking about. Yeah, that's a. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, yeah, I'm happy that it came up. It's just been so, it's been on fresh on my mind hmm. that uh, those two words. Yeah, well, what are, some of, what are some of your superstitions? Superstitions? 
I don't feel very superstitious. I, I'm having trouble thinking of one right now. I Every time I get out of my car, I think something bad's going to happen to my car. Well, every that's kind of valid. <laughs> yeah, in the city. Okay, uh, yeah, here that makes sense. Um, more, okay, like every time I go on a plane, mm. like I could never probably have an intuitive feeling that something's going to happen on a plane because every time I go <laughs> on a plane, I have these superstitions. Yeah. So I'm, So every time I get on a plane and I have these... Uh, del- sort of delusional thoughts about what could happen to the plane, which are ridiculous yeah. in most cases. I am always like, well, how do I know this isn't a bad intuition? And then I just think back. I'm like, because it's happened every single time I'm on a plane mm. and nothing ever happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's it- interesting you said bad intuition. I I have never considered uh, intuition as having a being a good or bad thing. Yeah. I feel like maybe a premonition would be the equivalent of that. Where yeah. It's like... More just like an intuitive thought that something wrong could happen. You sure. know, like you say you're in somewhere that you don't... Like, uh, rather than a personal thing, I'll take it from like the road, which I, I don't think you've read, but the, no, I haven't read that we were one. talking about it. But like uh, sometimes the in the Cormac McCarthy novel, the two characters will walk into like a space and it's this like... Uh, you know, post-apocalyptic world, and then, like, the little boy will be like, hey, I really don't like it here. Hmm. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Like, you've, I feel like everyone's probably felt that at one point where you walk into a room, and you're like, you know, I'm not digging the digging the vibe of this room. Like, so, feel like something's going to happen. Sure. Like, or not room, but, like, a whole space or something. Sure. Like, yeah. I think that's intuitive. Yeah. That's, like, your body is subliminally communicating something to you that you are subtly perceiving but yeah. your mind isn't rationalizing that. And maybe out of that, you develop a superstition. It's like, I don't go in dark, totally. yeah, dark that's... bathrooms. It's like, I remember reading a thing as a kid, like like little kids' horror stories. Yeah. And there was one about Bloody Mary. You remember that one? Where it's like, if you say that in the bathroom yeah. with the lights out or something in the mirror, like you don't, it's like she'll kill you or something. Yeah, That's like a, maybe the superstitions develop from intuitive perceptions of a vibe of a place yeah totally i think that's what we're on to but i want to make it known that i think superstition <laughs> is something that we create i like, agree. intuition is something that may that we that i think we we perceive but then the superstition is our way of like making sense of it and like organizing the chaos around it i just thought of a plain superstition that mm-hmm. i have so, and this is like, to- and now I'm like confirming it, that every time I get on a plane, as I'm like going through the plane doors coming off of the the jet bridge, yeah. I like always touch the outside of the plane. <laughs> cool. Like I always put my hand on it just to like feel it. And yeah, I I'm feel with like, you, Big Bird. Yeah, I'm, I'm with like, you, Big Bird. I, I'm, I'm entering this space. <laughs> and, and then it's like, so that, that, that also brings up the, the idea of ritual, right? I feel like superstitions inform rituals. So yeah. what are the rituals that we do that, like, make order out of the chaos of life? Because it's like we're trying to define uh, our 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 lives and who we are and, and our identities. And I think we use rituals and superstitions to basically sculpt ourselves out of the raw materials that we have of our emotions and our perceptions. And you've got to navigate it somehow. So, I don't know. I think those are those are very much in line. So... But I think intuition is, 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 it comes before all those things. Like intuition is, is like the, 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 the raw sewage of experience. Yeah. You know, it's like your, 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 
it's the undercurrent that informs everything else. Intuition is like a different kind of listening where you sure. are really, it's more, you're more quiet. Superstition's more of a, in my mind, is more of a busy, you're, you're really busy in your mind. You're overthinking things mm, and mm-hmm. intuition takes, uh, takes like inner silence. Right. It's actually, this is, leads me into something I was thinking about earlier that I wanted to ask you. Okay. So we we're okay. We're going to segue at some point into a, a little history, a Tom Rowling history lesson. Oh, great. Okay. But before that, so I, I'm going to preface this saying me and Tom have known each other for a while now. And Should so we count the years? I think seven. 2000, yeah. So seven, it's going seven. on seven. Yeah. So we've shared a lot of experiences nice. and also people that we know. So one person we know is Pascal Bocar. Yes. Chiam. We do. Who is a jazz musician, teacher, entrepreneur. Sure. Entrepreneur. Um, and he probably independently both taught us the idea of imitate oh yeah imitate innovate uh, innovate no, or imitate in, assimilate, assimilate innovate there which is, is a, a musical idea that maybe someone else coined or he did where uh first you learn the tradition mm-hmm. so you learn what people have done before you mm-hmm. like licks and lines and feels and all that mm-hmm. and then you put it into your playing mm-hmm. and then at that point you in a sense forget all that but that's informed your playing and then you move into the stage of innovate where you create your own voice. Yeah. And I was actually, this morning, I was thinking of that when I was listening to Thundercat, because I think he's a great example of that, where he's like a trained jazz ripper, and his music doesn't sound like that, and it sounds completely unique. So I was thinking of like, how do the things we were just talking about, you know, how do you know when you're, how do you know when you're creating your own voice? Mm. Not that it's necessarily a conscious decision in music, but it's interesting that you can, you can definitely like if you go to like a Bootsy is a good example where if you go listen to the, the James Brown stuff, it's like he's playing fantastic, but he's not breaking new ground. Right. But then he goes through this transformation, and everything he does is new. Yeah, you know, and no one's done it before. Yeah, and now, now that's a standard. You know. Yeah. Now that's point A for certain people. Mm-hmm. But I just think that's super interesting. Is like. How do you get into that territory of learning a bunch of tradition? It's like it makes me think of intuition, ritual and tradition, and then, you know, the innovation part. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking tra- like ritual and tradition, it's like there's a lot to be said about a lot of, to be said about going down your your community's rituals, right? Studying the rituals of other places, right? But at some point, you kind of need to look past that and break free of it because then it's it can kind of bind you. Totally. What do you, I don't know. I don't even have a question. It's just, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. Um, Especially musically, because it's all about tradition. If we didn't care about the tradition, we wouldn't sound like the way we do, you right. know? We'd right. sound like, no, like, completely different. Yeah, man. It's, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Like, we went to, we went to Mississippi because we, we love that music. Yeah. You know, and that's like... That was a hit. That experience gets heavier and heavier as more time goes by. Like, the fact that we yeah, did that... <laughs> it was really cool. ...was like that... Like that That's a pilgrimage. A, that is a, a complete... It, it really pilgrimage. was. And that is really that cool. And the fact that we have a, a, a work of art to commemorate that and really yeah. hold that space and time. Like, that's... Yeah, that's really... That's really heavy. But it's like, okay, great, that happened. What's the next pilgrimage to go on? Totally. You're always looking for something you're always like you know you got to like keep stoking the fires you can't like 
just be idle and just contented with your things. No. I think artistically, the the duty is you always have to be constantly um, assimilating and integrating new things. And I feel like that's ultimately how you find your own voice is going deeper into music or whatever art you do and trying to learn as much as you can and absorb it so that you can find your voice artistically. It comes through that process, I think, is like... And, and what's beautiful about music is there is no end. There's no... You can go, like, as deep as you want to go. And I feel like I'm almost regurgitating these words because I... I don't know. I feel like I'm still, like, a total novice at at playing. And I see these other musicians and guitar players and, and people that's like, wow, they are, like, leagues above... But it's but but one thing that I've heard from like masters speaking, so like Ali Akbar Khan will talk about that. The same thing, the the common thread is like it's endless the possibilities. So mm-hmm. Ali Akbar Khan and Jack Pearson, who is a tremendous guitar player mm-hmm. who's in Nashville, and uh then who else is who else is on that level? I don't know, it's like you listen to I mean, probably everybody has said that where it's just like it doesn't matter how like like Oh, here's one. So I was watching a video of Bob Brosman. Do you know who he is? He's like a... I don't think so. He's a really interesting character. Uh, He was more of like a roots guitar player. Mm -hmm. And he was active, I think, in like the last 30 years. But he Mm -hmm. unfortunately passed away. Anyways, he was out of Santa Cruz. He's just like this renowned guitar player. I think had the award for being like the best national guitar player. And he has just this amazing fluid style and can basically play anything it's just this yeah totally real tapped in guy i mean like not even tapped in it's almost like i don't know it's like next level dude. yeah well anyways it's a that's a youtube search for later but anyways he talks about that because he spent a lot of his time educating he's like he's like said something along the lines of his like if you hear anybody say that they're good at music like they're lying because <laughs> it's like you're never not gonna be there's always further to go and i think of Ozzy Smith talking about the shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals <laughs> talking about like once you say you're at the top of your game you might as well quit because it's like you can always get better you can always do it so I think part of that getting better varies from person to person that like brings up your measure of success like mm-hmm. what do you like what does it mean to like make it right totally and um I think that's different for every person and whatever it is it's like okay if you want to make a lot of money and be a pop star there it is. There's making it. But then it's like, what do you do once you get there? You know? There's always, yeah. There's always going to be something more. It's just kind of the nature of desire. It's like, you, are you ever going to be satisfied? How can you just be like happy in the moment? Just like with what you're doing, like, I enjoy this. And I think that's been a constant revelation for me is just, I'm happiest when I'm just sitting and playing my guitar, just sitting around and picking and noodling around. Mm-hmm. I am just so content and good and at ease. And I don't know. I admire people that can like, you know, put in the discipline and like read a bunch of music and absorb it and have that really accelerated drive to do that. But I don't know, maybe it's, it's just something about my personality. Diff- yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it. obviously, as you would know, I'm I'm definitely on that same yeah. thing. I'm not sitting just vibe. I'm not no. doing the eight hours. I can't. I just like I can't. I don't have the focus for it. I just like the vibe and I like having fun. And I like making other people happy and sharing in a happiness, like cooking a good meal. Yeah. And like that kind of spirit of like a communal spirit, that's where I really feel the most 
sense of purpose. I think but... general openness, just in in being open to experiences, makes you a better musician. And I oh, think if yeah. you're too, if you're so intensely a musician, and that's the only thing that like defines you, then those experiences don't really seep into your playing because you're too focused on te- on what you were taught mm-hmm. and what you're studying. So your outside experiences can't inform mm-hmm. your music. Yeah, dude. You know what I mean? Instead, like if you're hitting it eight hours every day, which is really cool, and I, and part of me wishes I could do that, but I'm fine that Respect, I don't. Respect, you know. But it's like I could also see I could be overthinking. Like sometimes when I learn something, I force it into my playing too much. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then it's like once that goes, once you stop forcing it, then it kind of actually shows itself. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I'm really, I'm really stoked on. Rocco Prestia from Tower of Power. Yeah. Because it, you, you got to just like hear some interviews with him because he joined Tower of Power at 14 as a guitar player. Wow. And that's when they started it. And then they didn't have a bass player. So he just started playing. And interviews with him are super candid. He's like, I've never thought about the way I play. I've barely practiced in my life. That's beautiful. I've rehearsed a ton yeah. with my band. But he's just like I never really practiced. That's I've never sat down and just like, and just like ran stuff. He's like, I run some scales before I play. Yeah, and that to me, I don't want to be like okay, I don't need to practice. But it's more just like just listen to what you feel like you need to do to be your own voice. Because mm-hmm. obviously he was inspired and like he played. Yeah. I mean that dude probably played a shit ton. Right. But he wasn't sitting there and like deconstructing. I pick up these things where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna learn this whole thing, and I'm like doing it for an hour i'm like whoa this whole hour kind of sucked yeah like i'm not enjoying this at all yeah. and i'm gonna forget it mm-hmm. because i'm gonna like actively forget it because like i don't want to remember this hour yeah. like i would rather like just jam or yeah, something you right know? keep it fun i think fun and pleasure should be the motivating factors to like playing music Bob Roseman also said this. He said, that's why it's called playing music. It's not called working music. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's supposed to be fun, you know? So if you're torturing yourself on it, I mean, I just think of the people that I know from high school and from other places who ended up going the more conservatory route mm-hmm. and going to school and getting graded on stuff. Like, I, that is so counterintuitive to me what yeah. music is about because. There's no rules. There's no right or wrong answers. There's traditions that are totally worthy of study. But if you're getting graded on that, it's just like, that just sucks all the joy and the love out of it because somebody's going to tell you that it's right or it's wrong. Yeah. There's no right or wrong way to write a song. There's no right or wrong no. way. There's like guidelines, but it's all about expressing yourself and and expressing an experience. And hopefully somebody can like latch onto that and you can help somebody through whatever they're going through in their life and they can find some sort of comfort in it. Cause I know music does that for me where there's those moments where you feel so stoked. You hear the song, you're like, I'm turned up, I'm ready to go. Like, let's do it. Or you feel really heartbroken and sad and you hear a song and it's like, Oh man, I like, I feel so, I feel so sad, but it's so beautiful and I feel so alive. Like that's really where it's at. So when you get it, when you, when it, when it becomes a job and it becomes like, when you're working music, that's so that's like I like what breaks my heart is to see like other musicians who are incredible players, yeah. but then they're out there just like they have to play a gig, they have totally. to gig to like get that's by. That's exactly what I'm thinking. I of. never want to be in that situation. No, 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 no. I'm always just trying to keep it fun, and it's like you see people struggle so hard to write a song 
just like and they and and the stumbling block is themselves totally. because it's like so oh this sounds like this oh this like i don't want to be cliche it's like it's like just stay in that window of time and let it happen and yeah. do it and that's i mean i'm speaking from myself and being in that situation but i feel like so we as a as a culture and a society we 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 stifle artistic voices because we feel like we need to somehow be unique and we have to somehow make it something new or we have to somehow like i don't know it's all driven by like money it's like you can't get over you can't just do it for the sake of doing it i don't know and there's something like you said about rocco that reminds me of like a childlike kind yeah. of sense of wonder oh, and i feel like the I happiest people maintain that you know what i mean like they're just kind of, like i think of Devendra Banhart too is like very just childlike in his enthusiasm yeah. and it comes through in his music and it has this just charisma because they're not really taking themselves too seriously. They're just kind of like doing it and wow, this is fun. And I feel like feel like you pay that back with gratitude and humility mm-hmm. and just like being a good like human being and loving person and that's what that's what you're if you're put in a situation where you can do that, that's your that's how you give it back because you're grateful. You're blessed to be doing what you do. Especially in the musical world where like when what we've been doing, it's like uh, a lot of people in those situations feel entitled. So when you're, when someone like, especially at a venue, mm-hmm. like the people that work at the venues aren't always treated with respect. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, everyone's doing everyone a favor there. It's like, you gotta, you gotta pay, especially in those situations while you're climbing the ladder, you gotta pay, everyone respect because you're you know no one owes you any favors Mm -hmm. that's That's really true in any any part of life but you know no one owes you anything and you everywhere it's always a it's not your right to be playing at great american music hall it's a it's a absolute privilege and i think a lot of people treat it like a right you know like they they deserve it or something i don't really think anyone necessarily deserves anything yeah well and i feel i i feel sad for someone who is in that mind state because it's like where will they find fulfillment you know what i mean like in the next thing in the next thing it's never in that moment where it's like wow this is beautiful it's so funny because my if i can jump into the history thing i'd love to yeah yeah do a history yeah yeah yeah. um segue hard can we do is it a hard segue or is it a proper segue it's a proper segue okay cool uh, so when I was in high school and going to college and at junior year and talking to my mom, I said, I don't want to go to college. I just want to tour with my band. That's all I want to do. Yeah. That's my life goal. That's what I'm going to do. She said, no, you're going to college. And I said, I would just want to tour with my band. She said, well, you can tour with your band, but you're going to have a college degree. And I said, well, fine, I'll get a college degree, but I'll finish early and I'll do it. And so I did that, finished in three and a half years, and I met the band through college, yeah, so that true. was a good thing. <laughs> um, but ever since then, it's been funny. I have this thing of, like, I feel like I've already did what I wanted to do in my life, and so everything else now is just a surprise. It's just like, hmm. just like, wow, that's wow, that's fun. Like, that's interesting. Like, that's cool. I don't know. I so it seems can... like a mindset that I'm trying to go for too, though. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily that you already reached your goals. It's more that you just changed your 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 line of sight rather than be looking for the next thing like that's how i look at our gigs and stuff where i'm thinking rather than like i always have goals and i'm aiming for more Mm -hmm. but every time we go like if we're playing at crystal bay casino for 
75 people like I'm fucking in it and I'm so happy to be there and I'm mm-hmm. I feel blessed to be there mm-hmm. or if we're playing you know anywhere it's like that show is the pinnacle of my life at right there you know like I don't oh, want to cool. be like okay that was cool like I don't want to be there and be like well I wish I was on that bigger stage right next right. to me cuz I'm not mm-hmm. and I ain't gonna get there if that's the way I'm looking at it you know and I think rather than be like okay I already achieved what I want it's more like yeah, it's just an openness. It's in being happy with where you are. Because yeah. if that's how you're looking at stuff, you'll never be happy, even if you're playing at the Oracle or something, you know? Right. Yeah, it's it's funny because it brings up ambition, right? Like the nature of ambition. And I think that ambition is some sticky business. And ambition is most noble when it's for, like, qualities. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not so much just, like... I'll be happy when I have this. Like, yeah. oh, I need to get this job. I need to get this car. I need to get this house. It's like, I think of ambition in terms of like, I want to develop honesty or I want to develop empathy. You know, things like that, that I think are worthy pursuits that enhance the quality of the moments that you have on this earth. That's what ambition is good for. But that's not to say like, you know, don't try hard and don't, do your best to like work for something and earn something like that's awesome. But I don't know. Entitlement is just, you know, that's just really something that we see a lot. And I think it comes from what we value as a society is just like the standard of success is very much like a a financial one. It's like your measure, your success is measured by what you have. Yeah. You know, or like, I feel like by and large, totally. And I don't know. It's been a process of undoing that mentality. I'm still fall victim to it, and I still get down on myself for like, I don't know. I want this. I want that. Mm-hmm. You want things, of course. Sometimes you just got to shut up and play your instrument. Totally, just let that just go, and go into that meditative zone. Well, it's definitely like a. It's like a serious form of practice. After like a couple weeks ago, we had serious shows like three days in a row basically and they were all like mm-hmm. pretty surreal for me like <laughs> it was pretty surreal like three in a row where it's like oh this is what it feels like to be really doing it and having like quality stuff and then play a gig for 10 people at a venue that holds a lot of people in santa cruz or something like oh you, yeah oh you, but that was well, that was one of my was, favorite ones it was though. really fun but you have to you have to make the conscious decision at some point where it's just like I'm just yeah. in it to be in it and that I'm here for this, this in these people rather than the whole time just be like, this is, this is whatever. And in the end, everyone that worked there was really stoked totally. and it was great and it was really fun. It's good to be conscious of the whole situation, mm-hmm. but. And every gig is different. Everyone's different. Yeah. And you just got to be, be there for it. Like I really have a, I have a strong memory of when we first started out, we played at like a nightclub in soma like the monarch or something oh that was was... (laughs) and there we (laughs) literally had one One person person i remember having like a lot of fun when we were playing like i remember thinking like oh if we played like that all the time it'd be a great show yeah because i i remember playing songs that we don't even play anymore but playing them and everyone was like connected because we were just having a good time right and I thought that was a really cool moment because that was I was still new to everything, and it was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is what it's about. It's not a, it's not about the numbers or anything. Dude, we're blessed to like be able to 
have this perspective on things. And honestly, dude, I think this is the sort of mentality that really propels you into making your dreams a reality. Yeah. You know, it's like if you can be constantly grateful and just like in the moment about things, you know, there's no rush for anything because it's like what we're 25, you're 24. Dude, 24 and there's so much more. You know, Neil says <laughs> yeah. it. Neil says it right there. So it's like life is so long. There's no immediacy to things. There's Just no formula, like, too. There's no formula, You don't too. have to be 27 on tour. Like, right. if this is what you want to do, you could be 35 and hitting it for the... Okay, yeah. I love thinking... You know Anthony Bourdain? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anthony Bourdain is a... He's a super influential figure. I really love him a lot. I think about him all the time because... He worked in restaurants till he was like 45, never thought he was going to do anything Mm -hmm. more than work in that restaurant. He thought he was going to die working in a restaurant, and he was okay with that. It wasn't like he was bummed out. Right. But his success was completely unplanned. He wrote a book, and and he said, he's like, I just wanted to make them hit, hit my... Hit, hit, like, get even on yeah. the book. I wasn't looking money, looking to make money on the book. I just wanted to work in my restaurant. And it, that book took off, and it's like every chef has that book. Wow. And then through that, he got deals on the Food Network. Yep. And then the Food Network couldn't keep it up. So then he's like, he went to the, did he go to the Travel Channel? He went to CNN or something. Like, not to, whatever it is. He, like, he really rose the ranks. Now he's like an international figure. Right. And he so is cool. almost 60. And he's doing things for the first time in his life. Before, now he's been to like 150 countries. And before that, he'd been to three countries. That's so cool. So it's like, there's no... And I remember like Skip James as like a... some Like, he mm. didn't really get going until he was a lot older. Yeah, I don't totally. think he recorded until he was after like 40 or something. Yeah, there's a there's a There's no formula. It's there's like, no formula. We could do this for, you know... And and, and, and things happen in a, in, a, in a second. Yeah. Dude, so that, that's, that's, that brings up another point. I think about this a lot. Like sustainability, because I my goal for this band is I want to be playing together in ten years and twenty years. I just want to be, I just want to keep playing. Yeah, like whether that's you know like on a certain level of you know recognition or whatever, like that would be that would be a dream come true. But really, what matters to me is just like making albums and playing shows with my with my boys, like doing it. You know, in 10 years, so I think of, okay, what are the keys to sustainability? Mm -hmm. And a lot of those things, I feel like, are against the stereotype of musicians. It's like, I don't know. For me, I know that I like to have stability in my life. I like to, you know, I like to get a lot of sleep. I like to eat good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) totally. You know, I don't really like to drink a whole lot. And I mean, but that doesn't mean don't hang. Like, you got to hang. You know, and and enjoy people's company, but you know, like moderating yourself and things, so that you can do it sustainably. Because it's like if you go, you see the stories of like people who just get burnt out on being on the road, watching the burnout factors. It's like, okay, you know, is it are we are we hitting it too hard? Are we not doing it enough? Because we've already in the short time that we've been playing in the city and around, like we've gone through some transformations mm-hmm. personally. Because it's like we started playing together when we were. 20, 20, 21. Yeah, totally. You know, and it's like a lot a happens time. between 20 and 25. And now it's like, well, if that happens, then think about what goes on 25 to 30. How can you keep it together and keep your relationships with each yeah, other? Yeah, especially when these things 
in the trajectory, if this were to keep going, mm-hmm. we have not hit the intense points at right. all, or even we've barely even touched it. Right, totally. I mean, it's not like... How do you get ready for that? How well, do you, you don't really that? need to get ready. Like, what if that's your source of income? Like, what if that's your livelihood is you got to hit the road and gig? Because that's the reality situation is if you make a certain point of it, or you meet a certain point, it's like you got to worry about finances and stuff. And I feel like money, everybody's got a different approach to money. You know, and I think that nothing can compromise a friendship like money and like finances and stuff. So I think about that sometimes. And I'm and I think that's been a key to the longevity of us so far is like keeping it together. It's like we've been very reserved. Yeah, totally. Taking cuts and it keeps it fun because it's like once you get money involved and other stuff like then it's kind of gets not fun. And then, yeah, I don't know. I don't have the same same stress about it because no one's shown that. Right. And it's like also the thing is it's like. For me, I think I could be happier with it if I knew that it was sustaining me. Because yeah. I know what it's like to live on on the minimum, mm-hmm. like pretty consistently, mm-hmm. and I'm super content with it. And I've, growing up where I did, I've known excess a little bit as well. Totally. Yeah, and I've definitely like, but yeah, who knows what the future holds. But for me, the extra component because I agree with everything you said, the extra component is how to get what something that makes me feel good, that yeah. I have a hand in creating, yeah. to the most amount of people. Yeah. Because I think that's super powerful. Because like, I'm, I'm not in it for... I have no eyes on recognition, that, not like traditional like celebrity recognition or anything, right. but to me it's like, how cool would it be if a million per, a million people heard a song that the first time you heard it, you, like time disappeared, you know, where it was like... You recorded it and like something, it like your whole body was, your body was vibrating. Like how cool would it be if a million people heard that, you know? That would be, that's, to that's me, that's, that's, that's really the, cool. That's a standard of success for sure. Yeah. It's like, for sure. That's because like, I love like small, like to me, when I think goals, I think like a bare minimum goal that I really, like, I think like playing like the chapel is really cool. Mm-hmm. To me, it'd be cool if we could play a venue that size in cities anywhere because that means there's a, there's just a couple hundred people everywhere yeah that can receive that yeah that would be pretty cool that would be good i think at that point i would be a happy person yeah that would be <laughs> i'd be really stoked i even like boom boom rooms around or something okay we got we have like 13 minutes okay um boy that time really flew by yeah we could keep going yeah you can going. we can you can flesh it out a lot well there's many more sundays Great. To come, yeah, there will I'd be more times. Do, do another one. Um, what do you got? Another song for us, mm-hmm. and then um, we'll we'll end it with what I wanted to start with. Oh, great! Which is like a histor- history. I mean, we don't sure. It doesn't. Nothing's, nothing's got to be scripted. But let's get let's get another song. I'll play a song. So I, I think uh, just that one will be fine. I finished uh, demoing out. I got like I got. I'm making this album, right? I got a solo album coming out. Yeah. And I finished demoing the songs, so I'll do one off of my solo album, but the... Oh, okay, I'll do it in... We'll do it uh, in G. Let's see if I remember all the words. It's called Honeysuckle Nectar. Take you where 
Honeysuckle Nectar? Honeysuckle Nectar, nice. that's it. I think that's going to be the name of the album. Can We can uh, we can expect some, some new songs. Are they mostly finger-picking <clears throat> stuff? Is there some slide? And... Yeah, oh yeah. So what it's going to be, I think, is there's going to be an EP I'm putting out that's going to be really mellow songs. And I think I'm going to record that in my house and just do it guitar and voice really simple. And that one is going to be called Slow Burners. And then I got awesome. Honeysuckle Nectar, the album coming out, probably about 10 songs. And that one I'm going to do a little bit more instrumented. I'm going to record it at Tropical Hideout Studios, I'm pretty sure. Um, and that one is still coming together. But I got the demos done, and now I just got to find the time to really put it together. And then I got some ideas about it. But my main objective here is just keep putting art out. I feel like... I've been sitting on these things. I feel like I was explaining this to my friend the other night, and uh, I feel like I'm in my second trimester of this pregnancy with this art, and so this it's specific project. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and I've been sitting on it, and it's like, okay, these are like really some funny some probably could head. be like hibbity dibbity tunes, yeah. but some are a little bit like the lyrical subject matter is a little more personal, a yeah. little bit more intimate. So it's like, okay, totally, this is its own thing. But I'm just really excited to do it and excited to be in this creative process again. There's some other projects going on. Taylor started a band. Mm-hmm. 
So we've been playing. Nice. We're still getting the name together. But um, it's been fun. This is my girlfriend partner. And that's been really fun. Um, just seeing her get turned on to playing with a band is yeah. like so rewarding and so cool. I'm just so thrilled. Um, but we're still like... <laughs> it's tough, as you can imagine. You communicate in one way with you know your significant other but then communicating musically is something else but anyways yeah long story short there's a lot of a lot of Lots projects of going on we got our own thing going on which i got to talk to you about i had some ideas but <laughs> we'll do that there's always there. <laughs> plenty plenty to come from from us for sure yeah all right we're gonna we're not gonna go down the the, the history hole right now yeah there will be more times time. we got like three four minutes what's i'm sh- like you know there's there's always so much there's always so much so much to say so much to do. <laughs> what about um? What can what can we leave people with? What uh, what are you listening to? Okay, listening to well, I've been getting into ragtime guitar. So Stefan Grossman, if you like instrumental finger picking stuff, I've been trying to really learn that that stuff. I've been sitting in my garage playing ragtime guitar. That's where you do that. That's where you do that for sure. And um, yeah, I've been listening to that. I picked up some vinyls the other week, so um. I'll give you some albums that I've been listening to. Uh, Taj Mahal, Happy to Be Just Like I Am. That's a good one. That's got Chevrolet on it. You know, the mm-hmm. Derek Trucks yeah, cover? Yeah, yeah, so that's a that's just a great one. Taj is one of my all-time favorites. He's the best. And then, um, what else did I get? I got uh, Sandy Bull, for those who are into instrumental guitar playing. That's way... Uh, that that that's talk about breaking traditions. Like he really assimilates a lot of different playing styles mm-hmm. in his things. Well, you know Sandy Bull, right? Like some of that instrumental. I don't know if I've listened string to string player. It's good. Maybe He's I've like kind of in the it. same on the same tree as like your John Fahey, or yeah. your Robbie. Bichot I love all that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. So Sandy Bull's right there. And then um, what else has been really doing it? Uh, yeah, those are the main things. Hey. Thanks What's for having me, on? Parker. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna send it off pretty soon into the into the Luddite hour. With uh, we gotta yeah, we're gonna put on some tracks. We're gonna we're gonna turn it on over, and we'll see you uh, next time. We'll see who's gonna be here. Some point, I'm gonna throw up the one with Christian McArdle. Thanks to Tom. Tom's gonna be back. Some point. Thank you. There's many more times <laughs> Happy to come. Sunday. Look out for some re- recordings that, from us at some point. Who knows? Oh yeah. Look out for some shows. Come catch us at Bottle Rock. Come catch us in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles at the Hotel Cafe on the tenth. Yep. Come catch us there. Yep. Me and Tom have a band. I've never brought it up or anything, but it's on there, and we have a lot of fun. And we, <laughs> we referred to it. We re- yeah, we referred to it today. <laughs> um, okay. So um, all right, we're we're throwing it on into my song of the month. Um, here we go. One evening as the sun went down and the jungle fire was burning Down the track came a hobo hiking and he said, boys, I'm not turning I'm headed for a land that's far away beside the crystal fountains So come with me, we'll go and see the big rock candy mountains In the big rock candy mountains There's a land that's fair and bright Where the handouts grow on bushes And you sleep out every night 
Where the boxcars all are empty And the sun shines every day On the birds and the bees and the cigarette trees The lemonade springs where the bluebird sings In the bleak rock candy mountains In the big rock candy mountains All the cops have wooden legs And the bulldogs all have rubber teeth And the hens lay soft-boiled eggs The farmers' trees are full of fruit And the barns are full of hay Oh, I'm bound to go where there ain't no snow Where the rain don't fall, the wind don't blow In the big rock candy mountains In the big rock candy mountains You never change your socks And the little streams of alcohol Come a-trickling down the rocks The brakemen have to tip their hats And the railroad bulls are blind There's a lake of stew and a whiskey too You can paddle all around them in a big canoe In the big rock candy mountains In the big rock candy mountains The jails are made of tin And you can walk right out again As soon as you are in There ain't no short-handled shovels No axes, saws, or picks I'm a-goin' to stay where you sleep all day Where they hung the Turk that invented work In the big rock candy mountains I'll see you all this comin' fall In the big rock candy mountains A shitty year otherwise, but a great year for music um, So I appreciate you listening And I appreciate your supporting the station It's BFF.FM, Best Frequencies Forever Don't hasten to bid us adieu Even though we lost the battle at Harama We'll set this valley free for we're through We were men of the Lincoln Battalion We're proud of the fight that we made We know that you people of the valley will remember our Lincoln Brigade from this valley they say we are going but don't hasten to bid us adieu even though we lost that battle at Harama we will set this valley free for we're through You will never find peace with these fascists You will never find friends such as we So remember that valley of Haramah And the people that'll set that valley free 